Cunningham for another extraordinary message on Gill Athletics Connections. Well, welcome to the show. Uh. It's the goes to appreciate the coach, the ones who point people most. Every season needs a voice of reason, speaking the growth. You gotta prep for you carry the load. It's coffee to the soul for those of us who stay on the go. Proper handoff to stay in the zone. What you packing for the road? There's more than one way to the go. Take notes, that's paying your toll. It ain't practice if your purpose ain't clear. It can't happen till you listen with both ears. You can't mentor without a mentor's years of experience. You can reinvent those years. Every plan's got a stand to deliver up to. Enterprise sacrifice, can you give up you? It's a choice and a fight. Not a win or lose It's not a ploy but advice so y'all can make more moves It's not about how to, it's all about why You don't know till you know who you are inside Six million ways to tie Choose none so we all cross the finish line The work ain't done So we learn from the experts We all gotta put in the legwork Gill Athletics is a network It's all about connections Put together for the profession To every track coach could be the blessing Welcome back to the Gill Athletics Connections podcast. We're so glad that you could join us again. And we're going to do it again and again and again. Every Monday right here, we're going to bring you some of the best coaches, men and women from around the country. And, and we got one today. This is going to be fascinating. I'm so excited. I have been, I'm not, I'm not very fast. So maybe this is why I've struggled with this, but I've been, been chasing this week's guest for a while now. Uh, <laughs> the real excuse is he's extremely busy. So uh, I'm so pumped to get him right here in the middle of track season for crying out loud. So, so blessed that he would sit down and join with us. Help me welcome from the university of Arkansas, the wise, the wonderful Mr. Chris Johnson. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm good. How about you? You know, I get paid to talk to coaches every day. So I'm doing fantastic. It's hard for me to say I have a bad day, to be real honest with you. Right. <laughs> it's right. kind of like it's kind of like coaching, right? It's like a little hard to complain about being coaching. It's like, you know, I get to go outside and work with 18 to 22 year olds on a daily basis. Yeah, it's not, it, it, it could be worse. There's a lot of worse things. It could be worse. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Chris, man, I'm uh, super excited you're here. Uh, really looking forward to kind of learning your journey and talking about some of the special things that are going on at a at a special place at the University of Arkansas. Absolutely. So why don't we hop into it? Um, you know, at some point in your life, coaching, uh, assuming that you were an athlete back in the day, coaching switched in your mind that something that was done to you, you know, coach would bark out orders, go run this, go throw that. And somewhere it had to change like, oh, wait a minute, like I could be a coach like that actually could be my career, where does coaching as a, as a career thought for you start? Well, I, I think, well, and when I went to college, I went to Lamar University in Texas, Beaumont, Texas. I didn't start off in uh, <clears throat> teaching. I, I think teaching and coaching are synonymous. Mm -hmm. So I got my undergraduate degree in kinesiology with a minor in education and a minor in business, but I started off in business. Um, mm -hmm. Started off in business admin and uh, got to be about middle ways to my sophomore year. And obviously it wasn't that difficult. I, at least I don't guess it was that difficult to me, but it was, it was not what I wanted to do. It was, it was just a little bit boring and kind of stale. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I think, I think I want to teach and coach in high school. So I basically, changed my track and, and went into kinesiology and then with a with a teacher emphasis and um so back then you had to 
major in Kines as a major, and then you had to have a full minor in education. And I already had enough hours in business administration to have a minor in business. With I had to take a few more classes to to do that. So my transcript looked like I had. I think I had 144 hours, something, something of that magnitude. You majored in college. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it was, um, it, it was a journey, I guess. I mean, sometimes you wake up and you feel like, hey, this is something I want to do or this is something that I, I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So initially it wasn't even about coaching college. It was more about teaching and coaching in the high school realm. So that's kind of where, where I took it. What did it, when you were doing, when you went in as business, what was the original idea? Was it to be a CEO, to work in a bank, own your well, own business? I, mean, I really didn't know. I just mm. thought that that would be a good major to have and obviously work in some, some form of a company in, in business administration. And it just got mundane and a little boring, a mm. little still, and uh, just wasn't really didn't pique my interest. Yeah. Much. So you switch over to teaching kinesiology. Um, the idea was to go become a high school teacher, which, you know, we've had many, many high school coaches here. Boy, um, you know, it's hard for me sometimes on the Twitter sphere when people start arguing between how hard it is to be a college coach versus a high school coach. Um, right. Because I kind of think of them as equal because they both have extreme hardness. There, there's difficulties in what you do in college versus a teacher. And, you know, my wife now actually is a uh, substitute teacher, a, a um, long-term sub. She took over for um, a teacher who just had a child. So she's in like second week of like six weeks in a row of teaching, of sub-teaching. And right. I love our teachers. I had so much respect for them. But now with my wife every day going from eight to three or whatever, high school teachers, any teachers, oh my gosh, God bless you. So did you go in? Did you actually become a high yes, school? Yes, actually, I taught high school. Right? I taught high school for three years. Yeah. Is that right? What subject? I taught. I taught PE, and mm-hmm. then I taught health as well, and then um, and actually, I did ESL um, as well. Is so, that right? Yes. Now I don't know Spanish, but yeah, it's, <laughs> um, but it's English as a second language. So basically, what you're trying to do is get them to speak a second language. It was right. so. Obviously, so you're just promoting them to speak yeah. English. Um, and, and some of the kids at that at the school were their first language was Spanish and some of them just only knew Spanish. Mm. So, you know, and I also was certified in driver's ed, uh, you know, so it was uh, <laughs> one of the, I taught driver's ed as well, not in the high school, but in the, in, in the public sector, I, I taught driver's was this in, were you teaching in the Houston Beaumont area or where in, were you at? In the Beaumont, I was in the Beaumont area. Yeah, man. How, how was that? I mean, that's, you know, knowing that you've had a long time college career coaching track now, looking back at those three years of teaching high school, how, what, what you must have some pretty either fond memories or fond nightmares. <laughs> well, you know, I think not, not nothing in a nightmare standpoint, but in terms of the experience and just, you know, obviously that was my first job. Um, a real job, I should say. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it was the first job, but a professional job. Um, but it was an experience. I mean, I think high school is, as we know, is is pretty different in terms of the 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 kids and the teachers and the mindset. And and you know, those those kids are maturing and becoming young adults and where they are in life and where you're trying to get them to be. 
and being able to coach more than just track, coaching football, coaching basketball, mm. coaching track, obviously, um, was was quite the experience. It was fun, but when you really get down to it, my my angst was that, especially when it comes to track, because that's what I was most passionate about. The kids were there was two or three kids that were really into track. The other was there just for like an after-school program. So, you know, their parents just wanted to be in a sport so they could come pick them up later, if you will, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of difficult, and that's kind of not what you want to do if, you, if you're really into coaching. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't want to babysit. I, I don't want to babysit the college level. I want athletes that are into what they're doing. Mm -hmm. and let's get after it. Let's get mm -hmm. better. So how was you coached many sports, but you coached track and field specifically during this time uh, as a high school teacher. What was your, you know, typically when we come out of college and we're coaching for the first time, we we coach how we were caught, how we were coached. You know, we don't have a lot of coaching education at that point. We don't have a lot of mentorship at that point. Uh, knowing that we don't talk about X's and O's, what was your style of coaching? And I don't mean like I was a speed guy versus a, a long to short guy. What was your philosophy of like, hey, here's how we're going to get it done. Here's also maybe your philosophy of how you did get better as a coach. Did you talk to other people? What was your kind of thought there? Well, <clears throat> I did a lot of reading. I'm, I, I, I read a lot of, Okay. when I say I read a lot, I read a lot of track things as it pertains to track, mm -hmm. different articles and things that have been written. Uh, coaching and I wouldn't say coaching but just coaching techniques coaching education and I still do to this point you know I think that a lot of coaches if you will they just kind of do what they've always done my majors in kinesiology so I do have a background in oh right really understanding how the body works and different energy systems and those sorts of things and then my own mind and how it works and and what should be done versus what was how I was coached and and so I always had a kind of a free thought pattern mm. and obviously my brother is, is, is Boogie Johnson mm -hmm. at that point in time when I was coaching high school he was a GA at Arkansas mm. um, so we would always banter back and forth about different training and workouts and that sort of thing so from a philosophy standpoint, kind of came back from my kinesiology background, then my own readings, and I guess left my own devices, <laughs> and then the bantering back and forth in terms of me and Boogie just talking chop, just talking track. You brought up Boogie, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk too much about him outside of the influence he may have on your coaching career, because Boogie needs his own episode, so we don't need to. Uh, right. he, he don't get to yeah. piggyback on this episode because I know he's listening right now. I know you are. Uh, but is he is he older or younger than you? He's a year year older than me. Okay. Well, calendar year, but probably a year and a half. Uh, okay, so there's not like a, an extended like, oh, he had five years of experience before. Like you guys kind of were growing together. Then if you're only a, a year apart, it, growing together as your uh, coaching. Uh, actor. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and you mentioned kinesiology, and you said obviously because I have kinesiology, I understand the body and things like that. And and I think that's right in regards to most people who studied kinesiology and did well in their studies, but I don't know that there's an automatic bridge between here's what I learned in kinesiology and here's what I do on the track. You were you, are you, were you able to early in this high school time, were you able to take the things that you learned kinesiology wise in the textbooks and transform it to workouts or was there a, a transition of that? Well, I may think it's always a transition. 
of that. And as you get older, as you grow, as you coach more, yes. But I, obviously, I had. I, I don't like to do anything without being well researched, mm. at least to to in my opinion. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Obviously, it's high school, so it's it's not college. It's it's not professional track and field. But I think it's it's important to kind of at least have an understanding of what you're trying to do, how you're trying to accomplish it. Obviously, very raw coaching at that time. So a little of the influence that I had from from Lamar and my coaches at Lamar was there and it was apparent. But I didn't feel like it was bad what we were doing, but I thought it was always something more to do, or something different to do, not necessarily what what was wrong with what the uh, coach was doing. Mm -hmm. But I just had my own thoughts, and my own, you know, thinking of how we did this and how we trained and how I felt and what was I trying to really get from my student athletes at that time. And you're doing this in beautiful Beaumont. And I actually have been to Beaumont because uh, yes. I, I did a home visit with uh, Ivory Williams back in the okay. day. Uh, and still to this day, I mean, that gosh, that had to be. And that's getting close to 20 years ago now. That's how old I am, right? Uh, still one of the best uh, visits I ever had because mom fed me and it was some of the best food I ever oh, had. Oh, wow. this is fantastic. This <laughs> so, is fantastic. One of the only home visits where they fed me and I was like, oh, can I? Can we do two home visits? Are we allowed to do that? It was, <laughs> it was awesome, man. I loved it. And he was awesome. I loved him as a high schooler, man. He was, he was great. Loved Ivory. Uh, so, okay. So you're, you know, in your first few years of coaching, you're coaching high school, you're starting to feel the, my words, I don't want to put words in your mouth, the angst of like, man, you know, there's some people who are just here to be on the team. And that's, there's a place for those kids in high school and uh, in, in track and field in general. Uh, but you, you're kind of, and you're seeing your brother, he's, you said he's a G8 Arkansas. So maybe you're probably hearing some stories of like, yeah, man, uh, these guys don't do anything else, but what we do here on the track and they're here early right. and they stay late and whatnot. And so maybe you're feeling, I'm gonna use the word angst of like, well, maybe I need to explore college. Right. Is that where we went next? Did you go? Uh not necessarily. So my my path was, I guess, a little different. I think coaching really found me. Mm. I, I didn't necessarily see coaching. My my goal was to go to um, Arkansas. I came here as, obviously as a GA, but not to necessarily coach. I thought coaching was uh, the, the the cherry on top. I wanted to get my degree, and then go back to the high school sector and become eventually become an AD. Oh, really? Yes. So, you know, initially that wasn't my thought process. My thought huh. process was I want to get, I got my degree, my, my master's in sports management, and I would eventually go back to, I would still go back in high school coach and eventually become an AD. You, you so, know, I, I'm so glad that and we're going to continue to learn the path of where you got to, to today. Uh, but I really encourage when uh, track coaches and um people getting into the sport, talk about administration. Like I, I encourage track people to become ADs and assistant ADs and associate ADs because we need more track people in the positions that are making decisions about our sports. So I love that there was like that, you know, maybe I'll be an AD because you could have, I mean, yeah. you've had a huge impact in our sport so far, but you could have had a uh, just as huge impact as an athletic director who loved track and field, man. That would have been amazing to see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what was it like? You, you um, It sounds like you're kind of following your brother. He was a GA at Arkansas. And now you become a GA at Arkansas. Was there ever comparison? Like, oh, hey, man, Boogie did this. I can't believe you don't do this or um, anything like that? Actually, no. And um, so even when I came to Arkansas, it wasn't, uh, 
like I was necessarily coming to be a GA for track. It was basically, I was coming to get an education and Lonnie Green reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I know you're coming. And I had met him previously. Uh, would you mind coming to help out? <clears throat> and obviously being in a program and understanding what, what Lance and, and, and Coach Green had going on, obviously, and just the interest of being able to continue to coach yeah, I, I took that opportunity. What you know, Lonnie, and uh, he's a Gill Connections alum, and you know, maybe one of my top five favorite people in this entire world. Uh, and I think a lot of people would echo that because I, I don't know how you could ever not like Lonnie Green. To be real frank with you, did you know what you were getting? Uh, meaning going to work with a Lonnie Green. I mean, I can only imagine, and you may tell me the opposite. You may be the one person who doesn't like Lonnie now. I don't know. Uh, I, doubt, I doubt that. Yeah, yeah, I doubt <laughs> that. But, you know, I can only imagine working with a Lonnie Green in this early in your coaching career. Uh, like just, I, I just feel like waves of immense value being given to you by watching and seeing and asking questions and learning from someone like a Lonnie Green. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think obviously the biggest thing was opportunity. Obviously, Lonnie's a very dynamic coach. But even then, even then, if you know anything about the Johnsons, we, we have our own wavelength, our own thought process. So with the with one thing about Coach Green and, and Lance is is that they they give you autonomy. Even the reason why I left Pitt State to come back to Arkansas, obviously. I think we could do bigger and better things. I want to win. I want to win at the highest level. But it's really about the autonomy and be able to the free thinking and being able to suggest, not necessarily change what they do, but make suggestions and and be heard, I guess, if you will, because the thought process is a thought process and, and being able to even just discuss it and, and maybe implement some things that that you're thinking that could help the program and help that student athlete was very paramount in, in what we were trying to, or at least what I was trying to do. Knowing that it may be hard for you to express this because you only know, you mentioned the free thinking, like the free, you have your own form, your own form of thinking, your own way of, of doing and thinking about the events and the events. So knowing that that's all you know, so you don't necessarily know how I thought as a coach and how Lance maybe coaches, you know, things like that explain that to me. What, what, is it, what does that mean that you have your own free well, thinking? Your own well, I, I just think, and I'm not saying one is right or one right. is wrong. Mm -hmm. I just think a lot of coaches are systematic coaching. I'm mm -hmm. not saying that's right, wrong, and different. So they have a system. And I think everyone has, even myself probably has a system in, in, in the way I think. But to be able to deviate mm. and to make changes based off of the student athlete and their strengths and their weaknesses, well, that's coaching, that's teaching, okay? That's not saying that my workouts and my plan is the end all be all. We have to be able to make adjustments and, and based off the student athlete's strengths or weaknesses or whatever the case may be, even just their, their emotional state, whatever that may be at the time, whatever presents itself, what's in front of you, then, you'll be able to reach the athlete, then you'll be able to, you know, abstract their greatness. So so what I'm hearing you say, and tell me if I'm capturing this correctly, I'm hearing you're talking about true individuality 
with the athlete. So their training age, when they come in, you even mentioned like, um, their emotional state for the day. Like, you know, I, I used to say, uh, you know, sometimes kids come in and they bombed a test, they missed their parents, uh, boyfriend broke up with them. They're probably not going to hit the workout as prescribed. So you may have to back off and then they may come the next week and mom sent them a hundred dollars for the weekend. They're going home next week. Uh, they aced the test. They actually might be able to do 110% of the prescribed work. Is that, is that what you're talking about? That yeah, kind of individuality? Yeah, think, yes. Uh, yes. And I think it's obviously you have a group and you have a plan and everything, but you know, I'm not necessarily going to follow the plan unless it's trending the way I want to trend. And I was, I, I um, we can stop. You know, you if you if you're traveling down the highway, and you get to a point in time where they've had an accident or whatever, now you had to deviate from the plan. Well, that's a okay. really good example. Now, now you have to to see if there's an alternate route. Obviously, the goal is to, is the same, but the way you get to the goal may be a little different. Okay, depending on that student, because obviously you have a background, they also have a background. Um, and so that's really different. And I, I, the, the thought process behind that, it, it, it's I want to get to know the kid. I want to get to know their personality. What's what's their quirks? What's their kinks? You know, and then obviously be and be have an understanding of that, but have them to get to understand me that we're going to do certain things a certain way and the accountability is going to be there. Um, but, and that might be fun sometimes and hmm. it might be, you know, considered torture at another time. You know I, mean? but <laughs> I don't think we've ever used the torture word here before. It's good. I, I mean, like that. In, 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 in their brands. Yeah. In yeah. Their you know, I know. Yeah. yeah so. So, so knowing that we're getting borderline on X's and O's and I do not like going yeah. there because it'd be a disservice that yes. I'm the one talking about X's and O's, but I, yeah, I'm, yeah. Cu I'm curious because something I struggled with when I was coaching, uh, cause, cause I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm on the same wavelength as you, but I did believe in the, um, I, I didn't do a very good job of if a kid came in one year training age versus a kid who came in six years training age. I didn't, it was like warmups the same for everybody. Let's roll, you know, but I did like, I was really big on during warmups, like paying attention, like who, who normally was in the first row and now they're in the sixth row for the day. And you know, how was your day and things like that. And so if the workout was just making up a workout, uh, five by one fifty, that may be too much. I don't know, whatever. Um, right. maybe they only did three or four you know if they if i you know heard their footsteps you know their frequency getting slower their times were slower uh it'd right. be like hey well you know these are supposed to be at 100 so we're not going to do the fifth one uh, some of my athletes when i would do that was well, some were very happy <laughs> they got off of one rep right but the, the the real ones uh like they felt like they did something wrong like they were being punished when in fact it was like no 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 we're just trying to keep the the body rolling where at the speeds that we need to be rolling at. So I had to convince them like, no, no, you did nothing wrong. Uh, it's just not the day to do five. It's only to do four. The opposite was also true. So let's say that same probably terrible workout five by one fifty. if they were killing it because emotionally they were extremely high, they nailed the fifth one. It's like, man, I think they can get a six one. Uh, to me, it was a reward. Like, Oh, you're, you're humming along so good. We can actually get another rep in. And so again, some of them, they thought they were being punished because they get to do, they had to do another one. Uh, and then others, it was like, um, uh, like, like you had to convince them why, like, why, you know, I thought you said it was five. Why are we doing six? So it, it was just more of like, I had to explain it to him. And I struggled with that. Right. If that's similar to what you're talking about, how do you, 
I guess I'm gonna use the word motivate, but how do you communicate with the athlete on both those kind of scenarios? Like, hey, you're not being punished because I'm taking off a rep. And by the way, you're not being punished because I'm adding a rep. It's actually, it's good for you because we're gonna operate at the at the level that I need us to operate at. Well, I, I think that obviously you, you get to know them as people, you get to understand what their motivations are. And, and then I, I work backwards from there. So I would tell them how, all of them are treated uh, fair, but not necessarily equal. I mean, so I'm going to treat you fair based off of your skill set and what you're able to do, what you're not able to do. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've learned, I've talked to Coach Mack, me and Coach Mack, God rest his soul, had extensive conversations just about coaching and philosophy. I've been, I've been able to watch Dick Booth and his practices and how he motivates. And I think he's probably one of the best, if not the best motivator of athletes. And I watched him do a workout with his jumpers and they, they would do six times 55 meters, not just talking training, just talking motivation. So he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he would let them run their first one. He'd tell them, hey, I want everything at 100%. And if they fell off more than two tenths of a second, then he would stop them, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then he would make the ones that fell off sit at the finish line and watch the other ones continue to train. And then he's constantly talking to them. Well, you know, but he's getting better. He's getting a little better than you because he can, he's doing more than you. Blah, blah, blah. So it's a it's it's a motivational thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like he's 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 doing what it takes to get better. He can. You've done three. He's done five or six or whatever the case may be. Now, how are you going to combat that? So the next time, mm -hmm. you're gonna you're you're, you're going to work much harder mm -hmm. because you don't want to feel the competitive nature. You don't want to feel like somebody's doing more and getting better while you're just sitting on your hands, mm -hmm. okay? And you, typically that 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 plays out in, in in their goals or reaching their goals or attaining their goals. Um, and I, I always tell the kids that winning is, a, is not necessarily crossing the line first. Winning is being able to achieve at maximum level. This is, this is you know, some there's conference kids and, there's kids that qualify for nationals, and then there's kids that may become all Americans and top three podium finishes, and then national champions. So, where are you at? And sometimes you got to be realistic. I'm never going to tell you what you can't do, but God has blessed everyone a little differently with the level of talent. So, you got to appreciate, you know, running a PR, mm -hmm. and that should be celebrated. And you got to appreciate. Uh, making the finals of the SEC, and you, you you have to appreciate being a podium finish. That might not necessarily be what you want, but that's that's pretty that's pretty tough. And then to go to nationals and be in the top eight, and possibly winning nationals, those those are those are definitely winning moments based off of where you came from. Um, so that's that. I think that's inherently the difference, and getting to understand. You know what? You know, this kid's a high school number one, or whatever case may be. Obviously, they're projected to do certain things. Not that you can't do them, but you can't do what they do. If they're already better than you, you do the same things they do. How are you gonna get equal to and or ahead of them? So there's got to be a little more. More than that's necessarily necessarily me running. It means right. The other things, past running, nutrition, you know, sleep all the different things 
past just the track aspect of things. How are you going to make yourself better? How are you going to close the gap, if you will? Well, and, and I, I love what, I love what you said there that PR should be celebrated. You know, I'm a I'm a huge PR guy, no matter what. I don't care if you are a, a six minute miler and you run 550, because eventually one day, first of all, that's the best you've ever done. I mean, that's that's amazing. Like that's literally the best you have ever done in that event. So that's that should be celebrated. But we also forget that one day you're going to set your last PR and you're not going to know for quite a while that that was your last one. You know, it's yeah. going to be years later. You retire and finally like, oh, man, I can't believe, you know, three years past was the fastest I ever ran X, Y, Z event. So celebrate PR. I love that you said that because I, I agree with that 100 percent. I think we should do more celebration of PR. Sometimes we we, we don't give enough credit to it and think, oh, OK, well, there's more in the tank. And, and, and that may be true. And I hope that's true. Yeah. On that day, that is the best, the fastest, the farthest you have ever done that event. Yeah, and, and I think it's important. I think it's 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 something that you aspire to do. And then for me, I don't. I mean, obviously, we all celebrate the relish and PRs, but I'm looking for a level of consistency. I think mm -hmm. consistency brings PRs and personal mm -hmm. best. So let's focus on even when I recruit a high school kid or a junior college kid or maybe a transfer kid. I'm not looking at their PR. I'm looking. Uh, I will. I will average their top five times, hmm. and then that's that's what Mike is every day. Mm -hmm. that, that's what you are. Yeah. Don't don't do that for my times. <laughs> you you ran this. <laughs> Whatever below but, average is is below that is where I would be yeah, on my average. You've ran that time. Yeah. And obviously that's you, you you're able to do that and maybe better. Yeah. But here's where you are every day, and let's right. let's build upon let's build upon that. Yeah. So you're an obvious learner. Uh, you talked about reading and uh, always kind of thinking, using your kinesiology background, um, using people like Lonnie and your brother to bounce ideas and thoughts off of. What did you take away from your time as the GA at Arkansas? Was there any something that, you know what, I didn't expect I was going to learn this? And I'm not talking about like an energy system or a, a workout. It could be a winning culture. It could be anything related to a very successful track program that you were immersed in during your graduate time. What did you take away uh, that you look back now and are like, oh man, you know what? I, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have this during that well, time. Well, I, I think that everything that you, every time you go to a different place in life or you're at a different place in your own life, you take away something. Coming to Arkansas, and being able to be around some of the greatest coaches, in my opinion, uh, of all time, on both sides of the track, on the women's side and on the men's side, and being able to experience the success of winning and what it took. I mean, you you, you got to think, when I was here, I mean, you, you, you've you got Coach Mack, you've got you got Coach Bruce on, on the men's side, and then you got Lance Bronner. Um, and then you turn around and you got Coach Harder, and mm. then you got – Lonnie Green, and you got Brian Compton, and everybody's so different in their personalities and the way they coach, but all very, very effective. Right. Okay. And then able just to talk to them and bounce ideas off of them. I think as as coaches, um, the ability to talk to them and communicate with them and ask them why they do certain things, not necessarily the workout but why they do certain things and what are they looking for and so forth and so on. I, I think I got that ability to be able to watch and, and, and communicate those things, but more importantly, be able to be able to just 
learn, sit back and learn and how many how many people my age get that type of experience with yeah, those type with those level of coaches. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. You mentioned you started rattling off those names. And knowing the age and stage that you're at compared to today, like I kind of like tried to put myself in your shoes, like, oh, you know, there's Coach Mac, there's Lance, uh, Compton, I mean, just uh, Lonnie, I mean, really amazing Dick Booth coaches. Was there any intimidation? I, I, I would have been like, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm the, if there's seven coaches here, I'm, I'm number 10 for crying out loud, uh, these Mount Rushmores. Uh, what was your level of like, uh, confidence as a coach <clears throat> with those really amazing people. I mean, those are all Hall of Famers you just mentioned. I mean, obviously, I have a great deal of respect for all of them, but never intimidated, and they weren't intimidated at mm -hmm. all. Right, right. Uh, and I think they were very helpful. I think that when you put yourself around greatness and 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 you have an understanding of the the opportunity, if you will, around those people, they're humans and they've started somewhere. And if they see that you're interested and, and you're really working hard at your craft, then I think they will be more, you know, they'll be more able to help you and get you to understand that. How can I, it's more like, how can I help you versus, you know, you know, go away, whatever the case may be. So, but if they if they don't see that you're really interested or passionate about certain things, they don't. And then obviously being able to navigate the waters or how to go about certain things. If I ever had a question, then I could I could talk to my brother and and be able to converse and how do you go about this? And so navigating wasn't really uh, an issue. Being around them was a different issue. And then when you're coaching high school, you, you gotta be able to 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 adjust and deal with different personalities, not just in the coaching realm, but just in teaching and, and, and dealing with different uh, students, dealing with different teachers and administrators. So you, you, you kind of learn, here's where I'm at, here's where I want to go, and what's going to be the best path to get there. Yeah, well put. As you were answering that, I actually kind of slapped myself on the wrist. I, I asked a very poor question there because I asked that as if there was a competition between you guys, as if, you know, Coach Mack was like, well, I'm the number one coach and dude, uh, Dick, you're number two. And, you know, Lance, you know, which is not the case for, for many reasons. One, you're all at the same school for, for one. Uh, two, yeah. I'm not sure any any coach worth their salt thinks like that. I, I know Mouse Holloway does not go, well, I'm the number one sprints coach and uh, Chris is number two. You know, that's just not, right. it's, it's about who you are and where you are right there at your place. So, uh apologize bad bad uh bad interviewer here on me part literally when i asked that i was like mm, that's not what i that's not how i wanted it to come across so uh so so well put on how you're no doing. no 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 more I, about I, I didn't take i didn't take it that yeah. way i just yeah. i just think that i think every time you, you have a situation you just gotta look at it and see how you get the best fit into a system what regardless of whatever it is it, yeah. it could be teaching it could be coaching it could be in, right. in business or whatever the case may be your perspective on it, your outlook on it, will be able to make a determination if it's going to be something positive or something negative. Yeah, great, great point. So you said you went into Arkansas uh, in your graduate program, still thinking because you went into sports management, thinking like I'm, I might go back and become an AD. Did your time at Arkansas change the goal as you were nearing graduation? Like, oh no, 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 I'm a, I'm a college track coach now. This is my path forward. Or was there still thoughts of going maybe administration high school? I, 
I would say after the first year, um, the thoughts were pretty the same. But going in, going at the end of the second year of my graduate degree, obviously it was something that that I wanted to do. Something that obviously you said, is it even possible? You know, to be able to get a job and and to pursue your dream of coaching in college that necessarily wasn't a dream initially. So I, I just think that sometimes in, unless you expose to certain things, then you won't dream it. You got to be able to see it. You got to be able to be engulfed in something to be able to say, okay, you know what? This is possible. This is, this can happen. And, and Hey, it doesn't hurt to, to, to go after it. And you had a heck of an education to have a fallback. Like if you know, if it didn't work, it's like, well, yes. I, I still got experience and knowledge to go be a high school teacher or an athletic director. It's a yeah. heck of a heck of a uh, plan B. <laughs> yeah, and I I was a certified teacher, mm -hmm. uh, so I don't think the issue of getting a job was going to be an issue. But doing what I actually wanted to do right. now that I know that I want to do something different, I think you know obviously there's there's a bit of you know stress there if you will, if you want to call it that, or because you do, you just don't know, you know, mm -hmm. getting a college job, being a GA, um, it's, it's not the easiest thing to do. So how did you do it? What what came next after you got, you get a well, graduate degree and then you do? Well, I mean, I got a graduate degree and um, I guess I finished in May, if you will. Um, and then obviously the track season was still going on um, and we happened to do pretty well as as a team. And uh, we were in Sacramento. What, what year was this? This was 04, actually, 2004. Is that right. Yeah. Chris, I think of, mm, I think of you as, just because of your experience that I know of, at least my age, you're younger than I was at Mississippi State during this time. Because as soon as you said Sacramento, I remembered this in 04, yeah. 05 timeframe. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Sorry. I just hit me that you were a GA during this time. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, then the, the process comes and I, you know, I interviewed for, I mean, Coach Harder and, and, and Coach Green introduced me to a few coaches and a few programs that were looking for at posted positions and, you know, been able to talk to them on the phone or in person was, uh, was humbling, I guess, if you will. And just obviously they're going to take a chance on you because you're not necessarily Proving as a coach yet. Obviously, you've been around a winning program. You understand the winning culture, but actually doing it on your own and having your own group and that sort of thing. That there's, I guess, being a head coach, at, you know, they're they're apprehensive about what can you really do. You, you've never recruited on your own. You, you you haven't had your own group. So what's going to make them hire you? Uh, and I think it was based off the relationships that I had with other coaches who could speak on my behalf, you know, and, and, and you know, after they initially, if they like you or not, whatever the case may be, then they will call and check with your references and then people that's been around you. So those, those, I think that's vitally important that people are going to be able to speak positively about, uh, on your behalf. And on your resume was for references, a Lance Harder, a Lonnie Green, a coach Matt. I mean, that's going to be hard to, yeah, I mean it's gonna be hard to overcome. You're gonna get you're gonna get your foot in the door. You know, <laughs> that's, just, sure. that's just the way that's just the way it's gonna be. You know, 
But you still so, got to do it, though. You still got to. I mean, you still got to do it. Yeah, the references ain't doing the job for you. You got to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So where'd where'd you go? So I ended up. I interviewed for a few jobs, and obviously they fell through. But I ended up interviewing with Beth Sullivan at uh, Penn State. So, yeah. um, and 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 just how things happen. Uh, she lost a sprints coach. I think he went to Jeff McCauley went to South Carolina. Right. And then she was looking for a sprints coach. And we had a, we were all, it was all women's program here at Arkansas. And at that point in time, before the, the program combined, it was all women's program at Pitt State. So I think that was, that was a, that was a fit, if you will. Okay. And then me and Beth had a few conversations and we clicked and then you know, she took a chance on me. So, so, Penn State was still separate when you went up there. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so, a couple of questions. One, uh, what what was it like? This seems like the first time uh, I'm gonna call you a Southern boy. I didn't know you're from Texas. I knew you're from the South yeah. somewhere, but uh, Texas boy goes to Pennsylvania. H- how did that work out for you? <laughs> obviously, it was it was obviously overall great experience, but initially getting there, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of tricky because you know being in the South your whole life, obviously been in Texas for the majority of my life at that time. And then coming to Arkansas, which is still the South. Right. Uh, if you will. I mean, it's the Midwest. but it's, No, it's no, no. I will not. Southern As a now Midwesterner in Illinois, I won't allow you to call Arkansas <laughs> well, Midwest. Well, I mean, geographically <laughs> speaking, it's, it's in the Midwest, but obviously we consider it the South. Yeah. You know, so um, a little colder, but I wouldn't say similar, different but still warmer on the warmer side of things. Mm-hmm. But going to Penn State was a definitely different environment. Um, obviously, it was in the middle of nowhere, if you will, <laughs> but very close to everything. Mm-hmm. You know? So, you know, you, you're three hours from Pittsburgh, you're three hours from Philly, you're three hours to Cleveland, mm-hmm. you're three hours to Jersey, you're three and a half mm-hmm. hours to New York City, you're three hours to D.C. Mm-hmm. I mean, you... you you're close to everything on that East Coast, on that Eastern Corridor. So very different, but still a rural feel as it pertains to State College. Did you have to, you know, because when you're in Beaumont and you're in Fayetteville, uh, and even though at Fayetteville you have one of the nicest indoor facilities around, uh, but you can be outside every day if you want to like there's yeah. very few like hey it's 30 degrees boys and girls we're gonna we, you know we are going inside you could if you wanted to be outside for training 365 so almost for your entire career up to this point you haven't had to worry about weather in, in you know big regards there's no six foot of snow and things like that you go to penn state where there there is and can be six foot of snow did you yes. have to train uh change your um your, your training philosophy like um did you have to start slower you know start um uh later anything like that because of the weather as you go through your career obviously the first year you're still trying to kind of figure yeah. out well, what does it mean in january when it's negative 20 you know what i gotta right. do not necessarily because obviously i mean it was somewhat similar to the same in terms of facility mm-hmm. so yeah I you got a great facility, facility right mm-hmm. facilities gotta dictate what you do in training mm-hmm. And what you what you what you had the ability to do, so the training necessarily didn't change because we had an outdoor facility and an indoor facility, mm-hmm. much like Arkansas. You know, uh, so one can argue that 
I mean, in terms of training, the track is a track. So mm-hmm. it was a very nice track at Penn State, um, much similar to the one at Arkansas. Maybe not as fast, but still, you can train. You can train right. there. Right. And, you, and, and it was an all-track facility at Penn State for the most part. So you never were inhibited by different teams coming in and taking over and so mm-hmm. forth and so on. So the, the training was the same. Obviously, you're going to navigate whether you outdoors or indoors, but in terms of what you're doing training-wise, it's different. Now that being able to be outdoors longer at Arkansas, I think it's more it's an advantage. Um, not necessarily because the, the facilities are, are really good. Mm-hmm. It's just that it just tracks just feels better outdoors. Amen. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just it just so psychologically when you're indoors, it just seems like you're you can find if you will. Mm-hmm. But the ability to train, the the ability to to do what you need to do and have access to the facilities to do it, I think we'll be able to determine the outcome. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't have any setbacks in terms of training. Obviously, you get outdoors maybe in the four by one and being able to do handoffs and that sort of thing was was a little difficult right but other than that you know it, it was an issue at this point as you're starting the next stage of your career here going to Penn State are you do you consider yourself a sprints hurdles coach a uh, a speed coach, meaning sprints hurdles in the long and triple. What what are you coaching? Are you doing any high jump pole vaulting coaching, field well, events coaching? What are you doing? Like, what are you at this point in your career? Well, I'm a coach, hmm. and I've always been a coach. So you know, when I when I got to when I got to Penn State, I I coached all the way up to the 800. Okay, so from the 100 all the way to the 800 uh, hurdles, of course. And, and long jump, triple jump, and high jump, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did have a jumps coach, but we worked together. At, and, but most of the time, I did a lot of it. You know, I'm not saying that I'm an expert in all of it, but I'm able to coach it all. Um, and and I think that's – it makes you work. makes you – you actually study and engage to communicate with other mm-hmm. coaches. In, in, in that respective event area to to find out what they do and how to get better. Um, and it, 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 it pushes you and expands your knowledge base. And then you, you learn, in, in coaching the multi, I learn those, the similarities in certain events okay. and how one event is going to help the next one and that sort of thing. You know, I'm reminded early in our podcasting career here at the Gill Connections, we had the great Brooks Johnson on the podcast and still one of my personally favorite ones because it, the, you know, his thought philosophy, not coaching philosophy, his thought philosophy actually helped me as a, as a person, as a person here at Gill athletics, as a, honestly, as a husband in my household. Uh, but I distinctly remember him talking about coaches that, you know, the, the best coaches aren't sprint coaches or throws coaches or distance coaches. They're coaches. And that was the first words out of your mouth. He's like, I'm a coach. Like, I'm not a sprint coach. I'm not a hurdle. I'm a, I'm a coach. Uh, a lot of it having to do with exactly what you said there as well when you talked about the multis of the similarities between events. So you can get more done. Do you think, do you think being able to coach multiple events and even the multi-event, the combined event, gives you an advantage in 
uh, over someone who says, I'm, you know what, I'm going to be the best sprints hurdles coach in the world. So I'm going to dive deep. Like that's all I'm going to do. Long jump. You can stay over there. I'm going to focus on the one, the two and the long and the triple so that I can get, have all of the knowledge. What advantages or disadvantages do you think you have as being someone who can be as comfortable on the long jump or high jump apron as you are in the hundred hurdles? Well, I, I think you, when you say that you're just going to do one thing, then you have a singular focus. So it, it creates, you have a lack of creativity because there's only so much you can do based off of training and based off of just two or three events. Okay, so you create, you, you cut your creativity, in my opinion. Um, and you may learn, you know, whatever it is to learn um, in the sprints. But then it becomes boring. It becomes it becomes stale, at least to me. Um, but when you're coaching multiple events and different things, your creativity, mm -hmm. you know, you, you have to be creative and dynamic in, in what you're doing. And it, it's a force mechanic. It's not something that, I mean, if you do something repetitiously, I don't care what it is. It could be making coffee. It's it's almost like you're on autopilot. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're, you're not... It, it doesn't require a thought process. You know how to do this. You know how to do that. You develop your your your, your different techniques in doing that. So you do much of the same thing over and over again. Maybe a little tweaks here and there. I think learning is lifelong learning. Okay, I, I learned that from one of my professors in uh, in pedagogy, if you will. Um, that's what it, that was. That was one of the classes. So you know, you, you got to be able to continue to learn. And you got to have something that's going to help you do that, force you to do that, drive you to do that. If you just get into a place where you stagnant, if you will, then that's that's where you are. That doesn't mean that you're not good at it. It just means that man, you, you can do it without having a thought process hmm. in preparation. I always, I always think, for me, I got to be two or three steps ahead of the athlete. And we know athletes are you know, they, they've done their research. They, 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 they understand a lot more than we did at the point in time. At least that's how I feel mm -hmm. uh, when we were collegiate athletes. So you got to be prepared to that. You got to be able to answer that, you know, and you got to be able to explain to them why you're doing certain things. So if you're not ahead of it, then you can't do it. So I think being able to coach a multitude of events, not necessarily being an expert on anything. Okay. I, I don't think I'm, I think I can get better even at this point now in everything that I do. And I'll, I'll talk to coaches. I'll, I'll talk to coaches that I trust that maybe coach different things than, than I do and really get their philosophy and what do they do and why, what's their favorite workout and why do you do that and what time of the year you do that and, and how did you get to that point. I think the, the, the how and the why is more important than Here's what I do and just take this work out and implement it. I just think that's not necessarily the best thing to do. Um, so that that's kind of my thought process and my train of thought as it pertains to it. You mentioned the athletes today are better educated than maybe where they were when we were athletes back in the day. And yeah, I just put myself together as athletes with you, by the way. I just coupled us yeah. together. I felt it's just, you know, it's just I'm just assuming that's what it was. Uh, because there, there's so much more access now, right? They have YouTube, yes. social media, et cetera. And I don't want to assume just because 
of you know the athletes that you helped produce at Penn State and what you're producing now at Arkansas that you don't have this issue. So I'm just going to ask it to you and you tell me whether you do right. or don't have this issue. How do you, when a kid comes to you and says, hey, I saw this guy on YouTube or I saw this workout, I, I, maybe you have this, I saw the University of Texas do this workout, coach. Can we do that or why aren't we doing that? How do you handle those kind of inquiries of something that maybe is against your philosophy of coaching or maybe even better said your plan for that athlete uh, for the season well i just think that okay i understand that this is what they do with texas and that works for them at texas but here's why we do what we're doing here and i'm not here to say what they do at texas or anywhere else is wrong it's that's their philosophy based off the things that they prepared them to do. And here's our philosophy. And, the, and more importantly, here's why. Mm. And, and, but I got to get you to buy into what I'm trying to implement, okay? Uh, I could, there's a numerous things that you could say, um, but obviously they might be just curious, they might just want to get better and they see these kids are being successful and they want to be successful like them. And they, and, and a lot of times, Athletes had a perception this workout is a magic workout or, or what they do over there. It's, it's why the kids are running that fast right. and not having the understanding of, of that coach and that background and that kid and what they've done and what they've been through. And there's more than one way to be successful. So you got to get the kids to, Hey, I understand that's what they do. And, and, and it, it may be, a better way of doing things or maybe not, but here's where you're at. Let's get through this. And you got to kind of give them, give them, here's our plan too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not that just because they're doing that. And where was that kid at, you know, mm -hmm. in high school, where was that kid, what's that kid done previously in college based off of you? So you mm -hmm. got to get to understand it's just not a workout. It's, not a workout. Mm -hmm. it's the development Get, maybe even getting to that workout. Maybe you're not even ready to do something of that magnitude. Um, so get him to understand, hey, we have a plan. Here's what we do. And here's how we get better. That question was asked this past weekend. Uh, I was at a high school clinic and there was a, a panel and someone asked them, uh, and more on the high school side about, you know, hey, a kid comes to see something on YouTube. Everybody's so worried about, people seeing things on YouTube and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And the very similar answer there to what you gave, it was like, well, Hey, you've got to get that kid to trust your workouts. Uh, but the kind of little, what I thought was a little cherry on top uh, that the one coach answered that question with, he said, Hey, those kids, like, that means they care. Like, I know it's, it's, it's bugging sometimes that they're bringing up this other workout and you've got a plan and, you know, things like that, but like they want to get better at their craft. So these are the kids that are, probably generally more caring about themselves getting better. So how do you use that um, to, to go back into your program? And I love your answers about getting buy-in, explaining the why. Well, here's why we're doing this with you, et cetera. And to help block out the noise of like, hey, man, we don't know what's going on over there in that program. I'm reminded of the great George Williams, uh, his statement, if you're not in the huddle, you don't know the play. I don't know what's going on at that school. I don't know what's going on with that athlete, but I know what's going on with you. 
And that's why we, you and I are working together on this path for success this season. So uh, love love that uh, response from you. Thank you for that. So you're at Penn State. What um, what changes? What, uh, meaning, um, tell us how long you were there, and then how do you continue to develop as a as a coach? That that kind of change. How do you continue to get better well, there at I, Penn State? I was there for eight years at Penn mm -hmm. State. Obviously, starting off as a women's only program, and obviously, when I was there, we combined the program. They combined the program and uh, and the best leadership. So I just think that even I think I've been fortunate with. Uh, where I've been and the timing of things is because Beth also gave me the autonomy to to do what I want to do in, in terms of training, in, in terms of recruiting athletes that I thought would fit best for me and the program and the needs of the program. So I, I just think you grow as, as you as you continue to coach and and, and you make mistakes, and and sometimes you understand that you made mistakes. You know, man, I I blew it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I I did too much of this and not enough of that. And I think you 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 just continue to grow. But I think sometimes you got to be transparent with that as well. You're like shit. I, I, excuse my French. I, I I blew it. I mean, um, I lost I lost that race in the workout. Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of know it, but it's. It kind of just happens, you know, mm. and, and then you got to go back and see where the mistake was made and, and then fix it, you know. But I was fortunate enough to inherit some really good athletes, which which always lends itself to recruiting some even better athletes. Mm. So, you know, very, very fortunate. And then be able to just coach women only as a start and then combine the program and be able to coach men and women and so forth and so on. And, and be able to go from just recruiting women to recruiting men and women. Um, so the learning was not too fast for me um, at that point in time in my career. Being, being, I wouldn't say young, but you know, experience-wise, mm -hmm. you know, not not having that much experience initially. So it was kind of like a building process. It wasn't that I was had to do so much at one time. I kind of grew into the role and grew into the position. And and it, it, I think it made me a better coach because I didn't feel overwhelmed hmm. um, just with the just number of bodies and, and the level of responsibility at that time. Assuming that you believe there's a difference between coaching women and men, whether it's um, psychologically, physiologically, et cetera, what was your experience as you combined? Because uh, at this point, you've had maybe the majority of your experience coaching women only. I know you had high school, which I'm assuming yeah. you had boys and girls there. But in college, you've really been focused on the women's side. And you're right. This is still early in your career here. But now you have a combined program. What was that experience like? Well, I, I mean, I think it was a good experience because obviously not coaching the men at Arkansas, coaching in high school, it was still around you. Even when I got to Penn State, that was a men's spring coach, but mm -hmm. I was still around it. I'm, I'm still watching what they're doing and, and and getting an understanding of why they're doing what they're doing, whether necessarily I agree with it or not. <clears throat> it, it doesn't matter. You're still kind of sitting back and seeing and trying to understand their philosophy. Obviously, you ask people what their philosophy is, but then in turn, you're watching it to see if it actually plays out mm -hmm. that way. So when I had the ability to take over, 
I was still around the, the kids. Um, still, I, there was certain things that, in my mind, I thought that they could do better. You know what I'm saying? Not that they were doing a bad job. Right. It's just my my humble opinion. But going in it, implementing it, and, and coaching them, you, you kind of kind of see the nuances of this is why the coach necessarily can do this, or, and so forth and so on. And then also get them to buy in to me as a coach because yeah, why do I want to listen to this this coach? She's only coach women, right? And obviously, I, there is a difference in my opinion in coaching women and men, just just based off just based off of the difference between being a man and a woman. Are they the rest and recovery, the, mm-hmm. the level of the testosterone levels and so forth and so on. There, there, there is a difference. And, and so being able to adjust to that and then having almost a different train of thought. I wouldn't say different, but just a, a differential between the two and making and, and, and developing workouts and writing workouts for the different groups, you know, and having to to dwell into that and spend the time there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you want to do what's right by the athlete and put them in a beset, the best position to be successful and, and, and not do too much and not enough and be able to differentiate the two. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that requires a level of work, a level of, uh, of reading and studying and, and not and also communicating with other coaches and and how they're going to balance that and, and do that. You know, as you go through these eight, eight years at Penn State, you know, you're surrounded again just by amazing coaches. <laughs> uh, one being your brother, by the way, as you guys are concurrently moving through your careers, and he, you know, he's gone on to do great things as you as well. Uh, now you're at Penn State with uh, Beth. Uh, in fact, Beth Alfred Sullivan, another Gill podcast alum. You have to go listen to her if you haven't uh, out there, dear listener. What are you doing, if anything, at this point for what I'll call formal coaching education, meaning USATF coaching education, USTFCCCA, anything like that, World Athletics, IWF at that point, any, any formal coaching education? Uh, yes. I mean, obviously, uh, Coach Fry at, at uh, South Carolina, he's, a, he's had that coaching clinic forever. Mm-hmm. So I would go there and, and, and listen and learn. And obviously, he's had an array of different coaches that I respect, you know, um, um, I, you know, Bobby Kersey of Miles Holloway. I mean, it's a laundry himself. Uh, there, there's a laundry list of people who's John Smith. He's had a, 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 a laundry list of people that were mm-hmm. fantastic coaches during that time. You know what I'm saying? So, and then USTFCCA, the different speakers at the convention, and then being able to communicate with, uh, my brother and Ronnie Green and being able to call on those guys to get to just get a sense of here's my thoughts and here's what I think and what do you think about this and what do you think about that. Not necessarily looking for an approval, but also just looking to see if this is the right path to 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 go about doing something. Mm-hmm. Because we always got to take the athletes in consideration. You don't want to do something that's going to be of a detriment to them. But you also want to be dynamic and get them going and being able to just, and I think the communication with the athlete and being able to get them to understand here's what we're going to do and, and be very confident in doing that and not necessarily, you know, 
succumbing to what they want, but having an understanding mm-hmm. of what they want. But here's if this is what you want, here's what you got to do to get it. And I think that's important. Do you, you know, you attack your coaching career, it's obvious, um, by being a, an observer, uh, by being a learner, by being a uh, question asker, <laughs> you know, talking mm-hmm. to others who have done it and done it for longer and then, uh, and not just taking it at face value of like, oh, okay, insert that workout into my program and it'll work. Like, okay, well, how does that puzzle piece fit into the puzzle that I'm working on? Chris, I'm curious with you uh, on the other side, do you, and how do you, because I feel like it's hard to separate how you do things coaching for anything else in your life. Like you are who you are, no matter what the event is, right. it's coaching your personal life. Do you, it, it, how do you do the things on the personal side? Do you, when you're talking about your family life, uh, parenting, um, just being a, a neighbor, you know, you live in a right. neighborhood somewhere, being a neighbor, uh, how do you attack being a better person that way? Because you are, you, you're an amazing coach, but all my experiences with you are you're an even better person how do you work towards those aspects that are kind of off the track if you will oh well i just think that i think everything is a reflection of you it's hard to be this type of person in coaching and then this type of person right as it relates to marriage as it relates right. to the person as it relates to a neighbor i think all of them kind of somewhat intertwined in your personality kind of conflicts i, I think that I, i've been fortunate enough and uh to, to marry someone that's probably much different than me in, in some respects. Um, but because my wife, she's a, she's a, a bubbly personality, a big personality, <laughs> and I'm more of the the, the quiet one. If, if You're the reserved, yep. <laughs> if, if, if that's such a thing, I don't, I don't think they're quiet, but more reserved than her and, and, and being able to just have the opposites attract type of situation, which, which, it's a great fit for me, you know, and then being able to just be a good person. I, I think our grandmother raised us to mm-hmm. just be good people, be honest, be straightforward. I, I would say that most people say I'm very direct. So I, I don't, that's, that's a lot of, not a lot of guesswork. Mm. This is who I am. I'm very confident in who I am. And, and I'm unapologetic for who I am. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm not saying that I'm never wrong. Right. But, you know, this is what you get. It's not necessarily you got to go and kind of seek that. And, and just I think you got to treat people the way you want to be treated. You're okay. And, and let them understand that, okay, here's, here's some non-negotiables. And here's some time that we're going to flex on certain things. But having an understanding of that and, and the respect that you have to have for other people, obviously you, you want them to have for you. I love it. You know, I, I think you're right. You know, there is no two separate things. There's not Chris, the person and, and Chris, the coach. It's the same person who whose profession is coaching. So, you know, if you're a jerk person, you're going to be a jerk coach. And by the way, if you're a nice person, you're going to be a nice coach. There's no, right. uh, there's no night and day here. It is who you are as you move along in your career, especially for a career like coaching. That is not a uh, eight to five. You clock in at eight and you're out at five and you're done. Right. It's, you know, it's a yeah. for good for good and bad. It's a 24 seven uh career yeah and i mean i did not tell that they like well coach you i'm like well it's i can i can change based off of the result that i'm getting i'm i I want certain things um so we warm up and that's everything is important to me warm up is important the cool down is important 
the workout is important hitting the times and whatever we're doing is important. So I have to, if I have to become a different person at that point in time, then I would do that to get you to understand the level of importance that I want and the consistency that I want and the diligence that I want. But generally, I think I'm more laid back. But if I have to be that to get you to understand the, what I want to get done, done, then we'll, we'll do that. Hmm. And, and I'm not afraid of that. So you spent eight years at Penn State and had, I mean, I think this is an official measurement, a gob ton of success. I mean, really, you know, for a Big Ten, cold state, Northeast program, uh, you had every excuse in the world not to have sprinters and hurdlers and jumpers, right? That's a that's the warm school thing, right? And boy, let me tell you what, lots of records, lots of championships came out of your program. Uh, you're under a great leader, in my opinion, Beth is one of the top people around as far as a leadership of a program. Uh, she certainly had her success at where she's been during her career. Uh, what was, why the opportunity to leave? Why, why look for a different place? Well, obviously I think that Penn State was great. It was a great place to be a great start, uh, develop many friendships, lifelong friendships with, with different coaches and, and, and staff members and such. And even administration for that part. Um, me and Tim Curley were, really close and, mm. and we spent a lot of time just talking about life and and sports and that sort of thing and having an opportunity to meet Joe Paterno and mm. being around some of the football staff. So that was, that I think it was great. Um, and then to have a different perspective, living mm. in the South your whole life and then going to the Northeast and how, how they do business and, and such it gives you a different perspective on mm -hmm. different things because you're exposed to different things. You're exposed to different kind of people. You're exposed to different environments. So really it opens up your mind to let me say that just because we do it like this, is not mm -hmm. necessarily right and or wrong for that matter, but here's the way they do certain things here. And then you adapt and you, you, you can have an appreciation for it. Um, but I think that in terms of program, I mean, Arkansas is, 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 a, is, a, is a huge program. Um, and I just think from a resource standpoint, have more resources to be successful. Not that Penn State didn't have resources, but I, I don't think anyone would argue in terms of track and field that Arkansas has more resources, which will give you the ability to win. It doesn't guarantee any win, but right. it, it will give you the ability to win at a higher level. And obviously we got two trophies when we were at Penn State. Um, so it wasn't like we were, we were, we was at the back of the pack. Right. <laughs> but I, I think Arkansas will give me the opportunity to, to win some championships. And that's what I want to do. So you come back to your, I'm gonna call it your second home. It's not Texas, but Arkansas. You yeah. spent time there and obviously grew as a person and as a coach during your graduate years there. You come back, you follow, you know, someone who's important in your life and is bigger than life, in my opinion. You follow a Lonnie Green. Uh, any concerns of like, oh man, you know, they've they're used to Lonnie's personality. Well, here comes me and my personality. It's gonna be a little different. Uh, any concerns there? No, I mean. Not at all. Obviously, Lions, he did he did a fantastic job when he was here. And, uh, no one will argue that, but I'm very confident in me. Uh, and, and that's not an arrogance, it's just that understanding. But I also knew that it would be a challenge. Hmm. You come from the Big Ten, 
coming to the SEC, obviously sprinting and hurdling and jumping, it's, it's, it's paramount in this league and, and being in Arkansas, also known for being more of a sprint powerhouse. And, and, but we were, Arkansas was known for more, being more distant mm-hmm. at that point in time. So Lonnie did a fantastic job. and He brought sprinting to the forefront in a lot of respects, but knowing, knowing that the task was going to be great and had to add on to that and make it better, it was a challenge, and it was it, it was a goal of mine to be able to prove to 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 myself, more importantly than others, that it could be done, and it could be done done even at a higher level than Coach Green did. You, you know, so, we, we've talked about several subjects, but you just brought up the word challenge, and your, your face changed a little bit. You, you seem to I don't know if the word thrive is the right word here. Some use the word like, but you seem to embrace challenges. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that you want to look at a challenge straight up. I mean, we challenge our athletes all the time um, in, in a lot of different emotionally, you know, athletically, educationally, we, we challenge them. So as a coach, we should also be challenged and not necessarily be comfortable. My, one of the mantras that we have here at Arkansas is we got to get comfortable being uncomfortable, Okay. And obviously, with a challenge, you're in a level of uncomfortability. But once you embrace that uncomfortability, it becomes comfortable. So we're uncomfortably comfortable, okay, if, if that's such a thing. And, and that challenges that a lot of people, whoever those people are, or maybe they're just a figure of your imagination to drive you to do something that it can be done and I can and I can do it, and 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 we're gonna work very hard to do it. So if you think you can work, then we're gonna find out who can work the hardest and, 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 and do what we need to do to be successful. And success on our, as it pertains to Arkansas and other programs, I'm not comparing the two, I'm just comparing right. what I think will be successful here. And obviously if we're successful here and what we do, then I think we could be successful comparatively, relatively to everybody else in the country as, as, as it pertains to spring. Well, let's talk about coaching at Arkansas. What, what year are you going into here in 23? Uh, 11. 11, Ele- 11 at Arkansas. Yeah. Man, does the time fly. Are you serious? 11 years. Yeah. yeah. Wow, so I got really? here in 12. I got here in 2012. Yeah. So it's 11 wow, years. Man. Yeah. I, Actually I, going on 12. I'm in it, my 11th season. In my head, I had five or six for summer. Man, time goes by fast. Jeez, Chris. Okay, so talk to us about coaching Arkansas. Because uh, So I'm going to give the outside perspective. Because you're in your box. You're in the Arkansas box. So you don't maybe necessarily always hear the outside perspective. Right. Uh, you mentioned the resources that Arkansas puts into it. You mentioned the facilities that Arkansas has as part of those resources. Um you know, uh, historically, on both the men and women's side, you could argue that the University of Arkansas programs are a top five program in regards to um, people want to go there as an athlete, people want to go there as a coach. Uh, it is one of the most desired, sought after uh, programs in the country, year after year. Not, not This isn't a flash in the pan. It's recent. It has been a long time before you, and something tells me it'll be a long time after you as well. So uh, it's easy at Arkansas, Chris. So it's easy to recruit. You just call up a recruit and it's an automatic. They're coming to Arkansas and that means you're getting the best kids and that's why you win. True? Uh, I think that's probably 
furthest from the truth. I mean, okay. I think if, if you look in terms of recruiting and, and the athletes that we signed versus other schools, I would I would say kind of the polar opposite, hmm. you know, because it's Arkansas. So it's it's not necessarily sexy uh, for an 18-year-old kid to come here until they actually get here. Okay. So just thinking about when you when you think about destination spots and no one's thinking about Arkansas you know, sure. um, as, as a destination spot. But I, I will say that the people that know, they know. I mean, this is the one of it's since in the last 10 years it's been a top five place to live in the US. And that's that's for that right. Oh yes, wow. It's, it's US news report, one of the top five cities to live in the US. Huh. But and honestly, that's for a, a lot of different reasons, but just to just to be able to 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 understand that from a kid's standpoint, it's not a Cali, it's not a, it's not a Florida, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not a Texas, if you will, mm-hmm. and and those kids are attracted to the big city or or the beach or you know the West Coast lifestyle, the sun and, and so forth, and they think. At least in their minds, that that's that's a place to be. We we know how social media goes and the the, the sellability of different programs, but I, I think in Arkansas we've been able to develop our student athletes, um, and, and and I think that comes from the top down. I mean, Lance and Brian and and, and so forth have been able to, and, and Coach Green when he was here, all those things were were, were vitally important. So if you go look at the all Americans and national champions, I would I would venture to say we probably developed more athletes in terms of where they came out of high school than any other program in the country in terms of, of development. So we're, we're coaching the kids. Obviously, you got you you got to be able to identify talent, and then you got to be able to to develop the talent. And we've been fortunate enough to get the right kids for our program. So every kid is not necessarily going to be a fit for our program. And that goes for every other program in the country, at least in my opinion. Obviously, we want the best kids, but how many high school number ones have we signed? Mm. I mean, high school top fives have we signed? So uh, from the outside looking in, maybe they think that just because we host nationals and we have great facilities and University of Arkansas and athletic program supports track and field because they really do a great job at that. But it, it, until we get a kid on campus, they don't necessarily realize the potential. They see the winning, hmm. but they don't realize the potential they will have until they, until they get here. You know what I'm saying? And I, I think that's, that's just something that makes Arkansas special and unique. But once we, we once we get them here, they have a true appreciation for track and, and the appreciation that the community and the state has for track and field mm-hmm. and the resources that the university and our athletic department has put into track and field to make us and help us be successful as we are. I like that you brought up the development piece. Cause that's kind of where I was going with that question. Uh, Cause I love, you know, the arguments on, on social media and Twitter where I live, uh, you know, that coaches today, the, the top coaches, the top programs are only interested in getting ready made product. 
And I always push back. I'm like, you know, when we're talking about specifically in the SEC, but just NCAA finals even, uh, I don't know of any high school number one kid that comes in and is an SEC champion based off of their high school marks only. Like the number one sprinter uh, guy in high school will typically be about seventh or eighth, maybe in SEC, meaning they got to get coached up. You, yes. you still, you, the number one kid comes into Arkansas or who name the program, don't matter. They still got to get coached to be better than what they were, whatever their PR is. Cause it's in, in this conference and in this uh, NCAA, the, the, it, you don't just plug and play. You got to get better. So I like that you brought up the development piece. Yeah. And, and I think that all, all coaches and all programs, they develop, but I think we've had a, we've had a task ahead of us in, in terms of development, in terms mm-hmm. of, coaching and being able to get everyone to click at the right time you know so oh, in, the women's right. program, in the women's program we won five national championships in the last six seven years you know so <clears throat> i mean with kids that are i, w- I would say they're, they're, they're talented obviously but they wasn't necessarily the highest recruited kids mm-hmm. in the country so i, I guess it, it goes to really our success goes back to our kids. It goes back to buying in. We're just the navigators. We, we're going to navigate the world. I, I tell them I'm just a tour guide. Okay? Mm-hmm. How good the tour is is going to depend on how well you let me guide you. Mm-hmm. Okay? To, 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 to the destination. So those are things that are important. And I think the leadership is, is, is very important. And, and 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 Coach Hart has been very instrumental in, in the autonomy of that, um, as it pertains to how we operate as a program. So his leadership style is probably a lot different than a lot. You know, he's he's more allowing you to do what's necessary within with, within reason, obviously, to be able to get the athletes that you want, and then be able to coach them the way you, you feel like you need to coach them to get the best product out of get the best result out of So, you know, I want to talk about Lance because I love him <laughs> uh, and the transition. Before we get there, I just thought about this. You know, one of the other goals we have here, Chris, is to bring just immense value to people who listen, you know, and we've got the gamut from club coaches, high school coaches, college coaches that listen here. So talking about that development that we were just discussing there, what do you, and maybe you can do it kind of in a, Number one, number two, number three, and however many you want to attributes you want to go there. When you're looking for recruits, what are the attributes and their importance level for you? So I'm thinking, you know, maybe the most important, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, you know, maybe the most easy one is like, oh, okay, well, what time are they running today? Uh, but where do grades, where do uh, training age, their current training plan, how does that, when you, you know, you, you've got, Arkansas has their uh, selection, meaning, um, you know, out of the top 100 kids at each event, a good percentage would yes. have some interest in Arkansas. So you do have to pick, okay, well, these are the only 10 I'm going to recruit and I'm only going to sign three. Can you kind of help us as a coaches or an athlete is thinking like, I want to be recruited by an Arkansas. I'm fast. Uh, why aren't they looking at me? And maybe it's because you have number two, number three, number four attributes that they don't have. T- talk to us about that. Well, I just think that in, in terms of recruiting, obviously there's a lot of different ways to recruit and a lot of different Things to recruit, but number one thing I think is based off of need. Okay, we don't do a lot of math. we don't mass recruit. Okay, and we're looking in terms of we're recruiting kids that we really want, 
and that we need to fill certain, uh, you know, events in our, within our program. Mm. Okay. And not to say that we're perfect by the stretch of imagination. So if a kid wants to be recruited and we're not recruiting them, it doesn't mean necessarily we don't want them. Maybe we just hadn't had time to get to them. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, it's 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 a staff of three versus staff of six. Right. So, you know, it's not that they're not important. It's not that they're not good. It's not that they can't have the program. But we're very busy recruiting, coaching, and managing a, a women's program. And I think it's very much benef it's beneficial as well. But we want kids that, number one, they want to be at Arkansas. Obviously, they're, they're talented, but not they're just they're talented. How much room do they have to grow? Mm -hmm. Okay. what is So what does their potential look like? Not just uh, how good they are right now. How much better can they be? And, and, and that's important. And then, you know, it's it's obviously different coaches look for different things. Uh, the size, the, 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 you know, mindset. Uh, me, myself, I like to talk to the coaches. And then I like to talk to the coaches that don't coach them. I like to talk to other coaches within the school district, other club coaches. What kind of person is, is this kid? You know, obviously you compete against them. What, what are they like? I mean, um, how do they present themselves? You know, are, are, are they good people? Not just are they good athletes? You know what I'm saying? What happens if it doesn't go their way, as I said? You know what I mean? I like to talk to the parents. Um, and it doesn't matter to me if they're single parents and you got both parents, none of that matters. And then how, how driven is the kid? Okay. Is the kid driven? Do they have the ability to communicate? Um, uh, is the parent doing all the talking? Mm. Uh, what is the opinion of the kid? What do they really, really want out of the institution and out of, out of running track? What is what's it they really want? Are they just, you know, doing it because they're just good at it? Mm -hmm. You know, do they want to be an NCAA champion? Do they want to be an Olympian? I think those things are important. Whether they get to that point or not, I think they got to be very driven to be the very best in what they in what they do, you know? And, and so, obviously, we have a limited number of scholarships as it pertains to track and field. So we got to get the right ones. And those right ones got to get it done for us. Um, so I think those are the things that we look for here, what I look for at, at, at recruiting an athlete at Arkansas. I like that, again, that observing, that observing part of you of like, hey, who's, who's doing the majority of talking? Are you just letting the parents talk? Or are you, you, know, you showing leadership and self-awareness and talking as they recruit? Yeah, I like that, just kind of that observation of just how do they interact uh, in, whether it's a home visit or, you know, at the uh, track meet or whatnot. It's interesting. Yeah. I like that. Well, thank you for that. I think that's a, a lot of value for people who uh, are sometimes not understanding maybe why they're not being recruited uh, or uh, why am I not getting a full ride or all that kind of stuff. And Hey, I'm, I'm running. Um, so you, you coach women. So I'm running 13 flat in the hundred. Why is Arkansas? I have a lot of potential. I'm only going to get better. And it's like, well, okay, here's, here, here's what it takes to make finals. And, you know, yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's not an indictment, I guess. Right on that, on that talent or where they are, because a lot of different factors go into it. Are they do they have a, a really good high school coaches or do mm -hmm. they have a good club coach? Are they right. developed? Are they getting to the right meets to be seen? Uh, you know, right. and I think communication goes both ways. If you're interested in being recruited, Arkansas or any other school for that matter, 
it doesn't hurt to send an email or mm -hmm. what, I mean, the form of Twitter, Instagram, you, you got to be able to actively put yourself out there because there's a lot of competition now. I mean, we're also exposed to different countries outside mm -hmm. of the U.S. There's mm -hmm. <clears throat> there's a gamut and like there's there's more ways to 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 see different athletes and more athletes and to be able to get to everyone. It's I wouldn't say it's virtually impossible because it makes it very difficult. No, no, hundred percent. And that's what's great about our sport specifically. And not know enough about college and the different division, or not not knowing enough about football and their you know D one, D two, D three, NAI, all that. But with track and field, first of all, there are some amazing coaches. No matter what division you're talking about, there are some awesome sprints coaches on Division two, II, Division three, NAI, JUCO. And so, what's great is using that thirteen flat hundred meter person. Uh, maybe you know Arkansas isn't going to recruit that young lady, but she goes to a junior college or an NEI, and maybe she does become 11 flat. That is not outside of the realm of possibility, yeah. especially as you talk about going from 18 years old to 22 years old. Yeah. Uh, but that's, what's great about it is that that kid will have the opportunity to get better somewhere. That's what's, I was just talking with a D3 coach uh, last week and I loved his, what he said when he's talking about recruiting, he goes, we're only D3 when it comes time for conference and nationals, but guess what all my other meets are. I'm going to, you know, this division one school for a meet. I'm going to this division two. It's, we, we still get to compete against the Arkansas and whatever's uh, no matter where you end up going. So you have the ability to get better, to improve and see the competition that you, you might need to, to hit those marks. That's what I, that's what I just kind of love about track and field is it's not, um, you know, it's not D one or bus. There are some amazing coaches. Go look at the D two national media. Yeah, I, guarantee, I guarantee you there were some kids that D two and D threes that you were like, mm, I could have used that kid. <laughs> Absolutely. In Arkansas. And, and like I say, it's, it's never an indictment on, on the kids, you know, potential. And that's a great point. Do certain things. It's just, Hey, Maybe, you know, if you run, let's say you run 12 flat in high school and you you want a scholarship in the SEC, that's not an indictment that we don't think you're good, but 12 flat is not even close to scoring right. at the SEC level. Now, you might come in at 12 flat. We've had two girls in the last five years come in at 11.75 and one is 11.78. Both of them ran 11 O's. Um, um, Arkansas kids at, at that. So, <laughs> but to get a full scholarship at 11-7 in SEC, it's probably going to be very difficult. Yeah. Most SEC, I, I, I would believe most SEC coaches would, would agree that that, that, that that's not going to warrant a full scholarship because if you're not under 11-20, you probably, you're not projected to make a final. So, you that's can't score. You, you know, so I always tell kids it's not necessarily an indictment on yeah. on where you are, but if this is where you want to be, then you have to invest in yourself in order to get to where you want to be. And then obviously we're going to reward the kids that are mm -hmm. getting it done. Yeah, I love that the way you keep saying that that it's not an indictment because we sometimes we get so caught up in the approval of others and so man if SEC is not recruiting me if Chris at Arkansas is not recruiting me then then who am I? I mean, I'm just not good enough and it's like no 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 that has nothing that's not your identity no. <laughs> at all so I, I love that that it's not an, an indictment.
Well, Chris, there's a lot of things changing, specifically in the SEC, right? You know, when I coached at Mississippi State, we didn't have Texas A&M in Missouri. Uh, they came in after me, thank goodness. So that conference, uh, it was a bloody nightmare when I was in it. Uh, it got worse. And now coming up soon, Texas and Oklahoma are going to come in. I, I, don't, I don't feel like it. Uh, I would have any enjoyment at all coaching in the SEC uh, when those boys get in as well, because it's just crazy, crazy, crazy meat. But another thing that's changing is, and, and we don't hear about this in track and field very often. Sometimes we'll hear about this in football. Uh, but our good friend, Lance Harder, uh, I'm very happy for him. He's retiring. We should all be striving to retire one day. Uh, Absolutely. And Lance has uh, the Hall of Fame career, Hall of Fame passions, uh, and really a Hall of Fame person. Uh, so he's retiring, uh, which is amazing. I love that for him. I'm so excited for him and his family. I, I love that. And during that, and I think it was just last year uh, when that announcement was made, it was also announced that you, my friend, I don't know if this is a, a good or bad. <laughs> I know it's good, but it's like, oh boy, you are going to be the next women's head coach at the University of Arkansas. First of all, congratulations. You you Thank have you. worked Thank towards you. something like this. So that's, uh, uh, that's big. Um, it's obviously must be something that you've strived for. Not everybody wants to be a head coach. Not everybody should be a head coach because uh, it has whole different responsibilities and expectations and time commitments, et cetera. Uh, start with where you are at today that the transition is occurring, right? So this doesn't happen until this fall, right? Or I guess maybe in after. July, actually, yeah, uh, okay, I was going to say maybe after NCAAs. Yeah, yeah, as soon as I said right. that. So this summer, the, the official key will be handed over, but it's being handed today. How are you guys navigating the transition at this point of the year? Well, right now, I think it's pretty much status quo. Okay. I mean, obviously, in the recruiting process, we're letting them, we let the kids know that it's going to be a change in leadership. Uh, Lance is still very much the head coach at, at this point, and, and he's running the program the way it sees fit. But obviously, we're all agreeable um, on what he's been doing. He's been coached for 50 plus years. So I think mm -hmm. that he's done a phenomenal job in, in being able to coach and continue to be successful at a very high level for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that that obviously leaves a blueprint on how, how things should be done and how he's done a great job. But obviously at some point in time there's there's time for change and obviously he's been doing it. He 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 I think he looks very much forward to retiring. I can't speak for him, but also um, um, I think he very much stills into coaching, winning, mm -hmm. being successful. Um, so obviously still having him around um, in the community and, and helping out will be an advantage for me. But obviously my philosophy could be somewhat different or, 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 or than, than obviously he's done. But mm -hmm. just having the resource there will be fantastic. Um, so, but the transition, obviously, <clears throat> it's it's I, I would say it's it's big, but at the same time, it's 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 not too much too quick. You know, it's it's we've known this for some time, right? And and the kids have bought into it, and they understand it, and they they're very much happy that it's one of Arkansas's own, if you will, mm -hmm. versus going out and, and, and getting someone. There's a lot of unknowns there. They know me here. They they know the expectations that I have. Um, 
and they very much look like um, everyone else's. You know what I mean? We want to be successful. We want to do it the right way. Um, in terms of what we're going to do with the program, I think the philosophy is very good. I mean, we, we still have to have a, a huge presence in, in, in terms of distance and what we've done on that side of the thing. And obviously, um, the sprint hurdles, we, we got to continue to be successful and, and, and to be dynamic and to even get better. Um, and obviously, the, the pole vault and the field events, we got we to gotta grow some of those events and get a little better. You know, you see the transition of me coming and then the, also the transition of Texas, Oklahoma being being in the SEC, you know, creates more more competitive uh, environment. So with that being said, you, you got to always kind of think ahead of what they're doing and mm. how they're going to change the dynamic of the conference and, and how we're going to continue to be successful. And, and that creates that creates a lot of excitement, but it also creates a lot of, of work and, and being able to combat those, a lot of the top-notch programs. I mean, you're adding, you're adding two top 10 caliber programs, mm -hmm. uh, top five, top three, you know what I'm saying, programs in the country mm -hmm. to the SEC, which is already very, <laughs> very, very difficult as, as, as it is right now. So, you know, it's 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 definitely something that you got to kind of think out and not rush into it and develop a plan that you feel like is going to be successful. And that, that's, that's on me now. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, it was Coach's vision up until this point, but now taking over in July, it's got to kind of change to my vision of what I think would be best. Are you taking advantage of, so there's things that the head coach does that the assistant coach does, meaning there's some meetings you go to, there's, um, you know, maybe you have uh, overall purview of the budget and the next year's schedule. Have you started working into that, especially, I mean, there's some things that you got to do now for next year for kind of yes. scheduling, etc. Are you starting to kind of like, okay, Lance, let me get more. And maybe you already involved heavily in those aspects, but starting to learn that now instead of just, Hey, July one, here's the book. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we've, we've, you know, obviously scholarships and, and the budget and, and, and different meets and where we're going, even working with uh, Chris Buttonham in terms of if there are going to be some meets that we're going to go to as Arkansas men and women versus what we've done traditionally. And how is that going to be beneficial to both programs and, and the home meet schedule? Um, all those things play an integral part in what we do and how we do it here. Mm -hmm. and, and just uh, meeting with different ADs and such to get, a, get get ahead of things in terms of how we manage the budget, how we build the budget, um, and the nuances of track and field, and uh, how we're going to, uh, you know, scholarships and, and how we do those things in a more of an intimate level, I guess, in terms of how we're going to navigate those waters as well. Obviously, you got NLI. <clears throat> Or NIL, I should say, um, mm -hmm. um, and how how is that going to play a factor in recruiting and re building a recruiting budget? Obviously, going to what, what are we going to do with the staff and and, and playing those things out? What's going to be obviously what's going to be best for this program? And now you got to make some decisions that are going to be uh, tough, and, but obviously the blueprint is there. And now I have to be able to make those decisions.
you know, you mentioned Arkansas has, you know, you've for a long time been a very complete team. I mean, it's hard to find an event group that hasn't had a lot of success, right? Sprints and hurdles, multis, throws, the vault, distance. Um, so it's not like you have to completely recreate the program for success. You just kind of, kind of, uh, and I say this, I say that very flippantly because it's this hard to do this, but continue to raise the level of distance and sprints and, and throws. So uh, I have to imagine uh, you tell me when it was announced that, you know, Lance was retiring and you were going to be the new head coach. Did every distance coach in the world call you like, Hey man, who, uh, Hey, Hey, uh, you know, I'd love to plug and play right into Lance's <laughs> yeah. system because <laughs> Lance has built something uh, pretty desirable there. <laughs> obviously I, I know I've had a few coaches reach out, you know, try to get ahead of it. Um, but I think they've respected Lance and, and what he's done and, they're going to wait for that, uh, I guess, that peaceful transition of power for before they start reaching out. And obviously that's a big, those are big shoes to fill, regardless of what division, what school. I mean, I understand he's done a phenomenal job in terms of being the head coach, but also the distant coach. Um, you know, you, you're talking about 30 plus years, mm. you know, and endless amount of head coach, uh, you know, SEC Head coach of the year honors and national coach of the year honors and so forth and so on. Mm. So, yes, I think it's there's there's big shoes to fill, but I I don't necessarily look at it like that. You know, I I I've got to be able to do what's best for the program, not not compare myself to Coach Harder and, and what he does. If we if we get the right kids and we get the right staff and coaching, then I think those things will take care of themselves. But being here. And him still being here and going to be around, mm -hmm. I think, would be helpful in, in, in a lot of different ways. Well, I tell you, uh, for our sport and specifically for Arkansas's program, I really like how they handled this. Instead of uh, necessarily going out and opening it up, not, not that there might have been a maybe, you know, Boo Shexnader taught me that maybe there's a better person for that chair than you are for the kids in the program. But what I like about it is they had a very successful coach right there on staff that had interest in being the head coach. Why, why mess with it? Why you, 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 you I think you said it earlier, you have a known product. So we know what, we know what Chris feels about the Arkansas program. We know how he recruits successfully. We know how he coaches successfully. We know how he works with uh, home meet scheduling um, uh, donors, et cetera. Like we know what's, what Chris is here at Arkansas. We don't necessarily know who the necessary, uh, any other prospect might've been for it. So I like that they, uh, they recognized consistency and rewarded it that, uh, and put you in the the chair for next year. I just think that's good for the program and good for our sport uh, in regards to the coaching profession. I mean, I think it's, I mean, I'm very gracious in terms of what, uh, you know, obviously what Lance has pushed for, but obviously uh, our ADs, uh, especially how you're a chick, being able to entrust the program with me and, 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 and give me the opportunity to do that. So yeah. in a lot of situations, they wouldn't do that. So right. it kind of shows the investment, not just in our program, but the investment in me as an yeah. individual. Agree. That's, yeah, so, spot on. So, you know, and, and, and recognizing what I've been able to bring to the program, I think it's special. You know, sometimes that doesn't happen, you know, and, They've entrusted me with this and 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 had a an ability to have a transitionary year 
Right. In terms of uh, uh, in terms of celebrating coach and allowing coach to do what he wants to do. Yep. And he's obviously he's earned that, but also giving me the opportunity to to not just dive in, but kind of right. kind of slowly ease into the cold pool. If you really no, so. I I think that's unbelievably important instead of uh, a, a clean day one you, you're not your, your day one is not day one your day one is going to be 101 you, you've, you've done a lot of these things you've done most of these things so it'll be uh, much more of a smooth transition than a, a, a first time first day on the job you know you don't even know where how to get to your office <laughs> you know right, you, you got right. all that stuff done you're just hitting the, you're hitting the, literally hitting the ground running uh, going into the the 24 season uh, with this transition so I just thought uh, just super smart and you know I think it also kind of shows Arkansas and the administration's like thought process for even the uh, resources for Arkansas like hey you know what we want to continue being successful well we're not going to start all over with somebody a new program new staff we have a great staff we trust them so let's keep that staff momentum going forward I just thought it was just brilliant for the for the program in general like you'll be much healthier in 24 25 26 than uh, necessarily if you had just a, a new person outsider coming in so I just thought it was brilliant uh, Chris, we'll wrap us up here today. I, I generally ask, what are you most looking forward to? What are you most excited about for this season? But I'm going to add a, a two-part to that. So one, I'd like to know, what are you excited about here for the 23 season? But also, what are you most excited about filling those big shoes, those big thousand-mile running shoes that he has uh, <laughs> to be the head coach? So kind of two-parter. What are you most excited about for this season? And what well, are you excited about being the head coach? I mean, in terms of this season, obviously, I think we have we have a really good team. And being able to maximize what we have right now. So sometimes you, you you look to the future, which is fantastic, and you gotta you gotta do that. You gotta set yourself up for the future. But in terms of the now, I mean, we got some very talented kids. We've had some, that's that was already on the team. We've had some very talented transfers that came in. Uh, we had a very successful first week. Um, so I just think it gives us the opportunity to see the potential right now. Let's go out and do our very best. Let's compete for an SEC championship. Let's compete for a national championship. Put our best foot forward and see how successful we can be. But more importantly, to to send coach off mm. as, as 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 a champion, as a winner. Um, I think it's it it would be a special touch if we can get that done. And uh, obviously, we're working hard for that. But also the kids that we have currently in the program that are that worked hard, that bought in, and some of those are seniors now and, and juniors and the kids that we brought in and they've adapted to the way we do things in Arkansas to see, I mean, obviously when kids transfer, they transfer for a reason, not necessarily it's negative, but they want to get better. You know, they want it. So being able to see them to PRs and see them to, mm-hmm. to doing well at the SEC championship, to see uh, a vibe for a national championship and some individual events and, 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 be in the top three, possibly win, top four, possibly win a national championship. Obviously, those things are difficult and no one's going to give it to you. But we feel like we've got some key components if things line up to possibly have that happen. At least be able to put our best foot forward and do us do, and do the best possible that we can um, with respect to every other program that's trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think this is just that year to be able to be able to do our very best with the extra incentive to to send coach out in, in, mm. in, in, in championship fashion. I love it. And um, what are you what are you most looking forward to uh, as you transition to twenty three twenty four? 
in transition, I think it's just to be able to to continue to do what Arkansas does. Hmm. Okay. And and being able to get a staff together, obviously, uh, get some uh, get some cohesion, which we already have, hmm. and be able to continue to just to to grow the program, grow the staff, be and be successful. And this is not about Coach Johnson. This is about the student athletes and and, and Arkansas. So hmm. I'm I'm just a conductor of the train. I'm not, I'm not. Uh, it's not it's not about me. It's about them. Well, the tour guide, the conductor of the train. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> you know, um, first of all, I love that, you know, your first reaction for this year was how do we send Coach Harder uh, out on top? Because that's what he deserves. Uh, and no matter what happens this year, he's a winner. You know, his, his career is winning. So I love that aspect of it. Um, I'm just super excited to see uh, growth and growth in in you. So uh, it'll be uh, exciting to see this year play out. And I think you guys, you do have a lot of key people in key places so it'll be interesting and you're right you know we forget winning is hard winning an sec championship is hard and sometimes we take it for great outsiders we take it for granted it's like oh arkansas if they don't win it that's a disappointment uh ain't no one else in that conference you you said it the best uh no one's going to give it to you everybody no. else is fighting and clawing and to beat your butt uh and it's hard to win so it's exciting when you guys do win and you have done you got a culture of it there at arkansas so i'm just excited for you to develop as a coach develop as a head coach uh you know you've got a lot of growth you're a lifelong learner you said so uh it'll be interesting to see how you learn sitting in the head coaching position and how you grow as a coach and i'm just i'm excited to kind of watch it from afar and have i have the best seat i have the popcorn seat i just get to sit there and watch what's chris do here what's how's this happen man it's going to be a lot of fun and i'm just wishing you a, a ton of luck my friend well, i appreciate it and obviously i'm looking forward to it and, and you get to all the high school coaches and club coaches and such you know hey send, send your kids to arkansas I, I heard every 11 7 becomes an 11 flat kid is what i heard so we're we gonna try <laughs> It ain't going to be from a lack of track. <laughs> That's right. Exactly right. Well, Chris, man, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you know, I, I know how busy you are. Uh, in fact, I don't know how busy you are. I just know you're extremely busy. You're right in the middle of season. So, you know, any time a coach like you can give me time for our, our podcast here, man, just really does mean the world to me and says a lot about you. And uh, really just appreciate you being here today and sharing your journey with us. Well, we appreciate you guys and appreciate Gill Athletics. And we continue to look forward to work with you guys. Awesome, man. Appreciate you very much. And appreciate you guys being here listening. I um, hope you had a good time. I sure did. I love this guy and I can't wait. We're going to have to definitely do a part two once he gets into that head coaching seat and gets a few seasons into him and uh, come back and see like, hey, you, you know, well, let's replay the tape. Here's how you thought it was going to go. And not everything goes to plan. How did it actually go? But I have a feeling, uh, you know, there's been a tradition of winning at Arkansas. Like I said, before Chris, it'll be after Chris. Uh, and I, I have a good feeling it'll be with Chris. So thanks for joining us here this week. Uh, come back next week. We're going to do it all over again and have another amazing person who chooses to be a track coach right here on the Gill Connections podcast. Have a great week. Well, if I can get my mouse to turn it off. Hold on. I have to cut all this part out. When the heck, man? There we go.